On this episode of Deal and Extend, we discuss what we look for in a smartphone. This episode of Deal and Extend is brought to you by DigitalOcean and Bitwarden. Welcome to episode 84 of Deal and Extend. Deal and Extend is a community-powered podcast. We take topics from around the Deal and community, places like the Deal and Discourse Forum, Telegram Group, Discord Server, and more. We also snag topics from other shows across the network and give you our takes. Nate is off running around the countryside doing who knows what, probably installing some more home assistant goodies. I do have Matt, our resident gamer of all platforms. How are you? Not too bad, Wendy. How are you doing this week? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Surviving. We don't have Nate to get us off topic right off the bat, which is kind of a bummer. (laughs) We can arrange to go off topic if you want. I mean, (laughs) nothing wrong with more editing, right? I'm sure we will. (laughs) Thing is, I... Off-topic conversations aren't too bad to edit because you're like, oh, yeah, this whole section is either gone or sometimes added to extras, just depending on how the week goes. True. And what we talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Subject matter matters. Context matters, too. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Some of those extras, not going to lie, some people will never know the real full context of that conversation. (laughs) That is true. And we do keep it a little bit friendlier when we do live streams. Hopefully we'll be doing another one of those fairly soon. But the show is quite different between what we do live for everybody and what we do just with the host. There's some differences there. More of our twisted sense of humor typically gets to come out on the back end and we can have some quite funny conversations that unfortunately just never make it to air. Let's be real. We're never prepared either. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of half the fun of this show is our tendency to wing it a little bit. It makes every conversation different. It does make editing a little more difficult from the offhanded nature of the show, but I think it is one of our assets in general is just being able to have this open conversation. And speaking of new goodies, more hard drives are in your hands. They're on their way into my hands. I mentioned a couple episodes ago at this point, probably a couple months ago, that I had bought two external hard drives, four terabytes apiece. One was for the HTPC system and one was for the game system. Well, one small problem with that these were the 3.5 inch size hard drive enclosures and stuff. So they require external power. Kind of a problem if I'm looking to be on the go. And most of my systems that I would take on the go, like one of my gaming laptops, I would prefer to not have to have external power. So I end up finding these Toshiba game drives. I can't remember the exact name for them, but there were four terabytes a piece and they were about 65 bucks per drive. So it was like, well, guess I'm spending $130. That price is really hard to pass up, though. That's pretty good for four terabyte drives that you can actually pack with you. Yeah, so that's a lot of it. And I had mentioned that I'm trying to get rid of some of the older drives that I have. Just to put that in reference, I still have hard drives, like enclosures and stuff, that require the mini USB adapters. Not micro, mini. Wow. So these are some old, old, old drives that I need to get the information off from. So that's what one of the drives is for. The other drive is for a lot of the backup of like local media and stuff that I do have. I'm trying to get up more of my 
available content that is online, offline. So a lot of the stuff from like Humble Bundle and that kind of stuff. When the internet goes down, because it does happen, just look at not that long ago, things like Spotify and Etsy and everything else went kaput for a while because Google, Yeah, it's important to have that stuff locally in case stuff like that does happen. You can never have too much extra storage space. It's one of those mantras that it's better to have more than not enough. It's also one of those things that Michael, he has a tendency to have a hard time with. I don't know if any of you are patrons of This Week in Linux. He did a live reaction video to the first LTT Linux video, the one where they're actually showing their systems and doing the install and that kind of thing, which I hadn't seen it yet either. So it was kind of interesting to see it and get Michael's response. But he just got done doing This Week in Linux And he went to go check his system to make sure he had enough storage space so that he could do the reaction and was like, hmm, I need a little bit more. Now, granted, he's working with massive files all the time. All of these video files are huge. So more storage space, always more storage space. Well, as a photographer, Wendy, those raw files get pretty big, don't they? They can get quite large. Michael's really good at making images smaller, and I know he does that with video too in the end, but I will send him an image in its full glory. Like, I haven't compressed it at all, and he's like, oh my gosh, that's massive, which it's not as big as files can get, but yeah, they can get quite large. They can take up a lot of space, especially if you're taking an image that has lots of different layers that are added to it. They can get crazy big, though the average one isn't as massive as I'd say your raw video file is by any means. Speaking of going out and getting things that are new, Wendy, you were actually able to do this weird thing. Who are people, friends? What's this going out thing that you did? I know. Isn't that so new of a concept to actually go have fun with some friends? I missed the live stream of Destination Linux this week, and that's because we have some friends that aren't too far away. It was an absolute beautiful Sunday. And so we spent the day out on the boat on the river here. The kids had a ton of fun. We all got to bed way too late. But I'm trying to enjoy the nice weather when it's popping up, being in the Northwest. It isn't as cold as some of the more northern climates, but we definitely get our fair share of wind and snow, cold weather, all of that. We are getting deeper into that season, and I'm just trying to enjoy the sun while I can until we are in the days of not leaving the house much. It was nice to get some sun before it goes away. (laughs) I definitely understand that because, you know, there's nothing like the sun going away at four o'clock in the afternoon. (laughs) Yeah. Totally get that. I am never a people person, but as far as interacting with people, I keep my friend group pretty small, uber small, I'm not going to lie. And I don't mean the taxi service. When I do decide (laughs) to go out with, with friends, it's very select. There is something that is nice about actually as much as I enjoy spending time with you and Nate doing the show and that kind of Sometimes it's just nice to like have that physical presence. Personal interaction. Yeah, yeah. It's just something that's hard to describe as far as being able to have that from time to time. And again, this is me speaking as a, let's be real, a non-people person, generically speaking. (laughs) Yeah, there's not really too many people that we go do stuff with. This is a family that has a couple kids really close to the age of a couple of our kids. 
My husband has been really good friends with the one guy for years, like since elementary school, they've known each other. So it's a long-standing friendship. We get along great. We do lots of things together throughout the year. We'll see them definitely again before spring flies in our many adventures. If we're going camping with friends, it's typically these friends that we go do it with. This is the friend that helps me set up my husband's super soft birthday party for the last two years. This has now become tradition, and so he and I will continually plan the super soft birthday party for my husband. If you don't know what that is, I know I've talked about it on the show, but it comes from the TV show Letterkenny. Definitely not a family-friendly show, but that's where the idea of the super soft birthday party came from. It has now become tradition for my husband to throw him a super soft birthday party, and it's fun for everybody. So it's great to have friends that you can do that kind of thing with. Yeah, definitely. Totally agree with that. This episode of Deal and Extend is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Now's the perfect time to dive into DigitalOcean. Their new app platform service helps you build modern cloud-native apps for way less money. With App Platform, you can build, deploy, and scale apps and static websites faster and easier than ever using a simple, intuitive interface. Simply point App Platform to your GitHub or GitLab repository and let it do all the heavy lifting. Whether you're using Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby, static sites, Docker, and containers. By running App Platform on their own infrastructure, DigitalOcean keeps your costs significantly lower than any other products. Plus, it's built on top of DigitalOcean Kubernetes, providing a smoother migration path so you can take more control of your infrastructure setup, too. As a DLN Extend listener and member of the DLN community, you can get started building your world-changing app on their App Platform for free, and it gets better. DigitalOcean will give you a $100 credit when you sign up at do.co slash dln. Again, go to do.co slash dln to get started with your free $100 credit on DigitalOcean's new app platform. We want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of DLN Extend. On Deal and Extend last week, episode 83, I did some talking about smartphones. On episode 48 of Hardware Addicts, you get to learn about Ryan's new Pixel 6 Pro. Yes, he broke down and got a Pixel 6. We're going to spend some time this week talking about what we look for in smartphones, some different conversations around the hardware, the software, and a little root and ROM maybe. How is it going with the flip device, that foldable device that you picked up, Matt? Yeah, I picked up the Motorola Razr 5G for the 2020 version. And as a flip device, it's interesting. I spend more time that I found using the external screen to interact with the phone more than I do the internal. That's been an interesting experience going from a brick of device with the Sonom XP8 that I had to going to something the size of the Palm phone that I had for a while. That's an experience that definitely takes some getting used to. But the biggest thing was that I had tried using just stuff from Afterite. I disabled a lot of the Google stuff that is in theory disabled if you disable it in Android. So for me, like the SMS app is replaced with one that's just, I believe it's SMS messengers or messages uh, from Asteroid. I replaced the Google Maps with Osmodium. Osmodium, I can't remember how exactly it's pronounced. 
I use that for GPS instead of Google Maps because that uses OpenStreetMaps. I do have a Twitter client. You know, you can say what you want there. Tweeter X is the one I use for Twitter. I actually have a torrent client on my phone, which is interesting. I use LibreTorrent as well. That was mostly so I could get the OC Remix, the stuff, Wendy, that, you know, I would never tell your daughter that there's a bunch of Sonic soundtracks for. Instead of Gboard, I use one called Floris Board. That does most of what I need to. Um, I don't need a lot of the stuff that Gboard does. Those were kind of the essential apps that I needed to replace. There's some music players and other stuff that you can get on F-Droid that I've replaced. So I have like local music. I don't tie into a lot of the online services anyway, just because my backlog of music is like 100 plus gigs of stuff. I don't really need the online sources for music like a lot of people I would rely on. But overall, it's been an interesting experience. The phone in and of itself, it's a phone, <laughs> really, at the end of the day. From the stuff that you switched out to open source applications, have you noticed a difference in functionality? Are there some features that they're missing that you wish they had? Are there features that they have that are better than the closed source one? Have they been a straight across the board exchange? between app to app so things like floris board if i'm using not the external screen but the internal like the folding actual screen works perfectly fine i would equate what it does it's a better but the functionality is basically that of like ubuntu touch keyboard not horrible not great it's a keyboard so like my expectations are pretty low autocorrect it doesn't have what you'd get with like the google machine learning kind of all your weird intricate kind of stuff that it does they're like oh did you want this word no go away so <laughs> <laughs> uh, it doesn't have that. It will pick up on patterns of words that you use, but it doesn't do what the Google one does and narrow in on the way you talk, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because when we talk in text, Google will pick up that, but this picks up more general kind of wording as opposed to very you kind of wording, which is something that Google does and at times, not gonna lie, kind of creepy. As far as lack of functionality and stuff, Osmond has its quirks, and I think some of that's due to more to OpenStreetMaps than anything else. Right. Overall, I really haven't noticed that much of a difference personally, because what I expect from a smartphone is and I use the term smart very loosely, is not what a lot of other people would expect from a smartphone. I tend to view them more as computers that just have a constant connection to whatever, the internet, et cetera. My expectation of what I need on a phone is vastly, vastly different than most people. And that definitely does matter your personal use of your phone into how well some of these applications will translate between the ones that come stock or the mainstream applications and these open source applications. So so as an example, there are apps that I do have to use specifically for the bank, banking apps that are specific to my bank that I do have to use so that it allows me to have control over my various cards and stuff that I have from them. It's very specific apps that unfortunately, as much as I would love to just use the web version and all that stuff, they don't offer that. So I have to use those apps. It's a mixed bag when it comes to that specific end of things. When you go through and unassign a lot of the stuff that is typically within the Google stuff, which Ryan has a video showing how to kind of private 
privatize Android a little bit more for those who are not nuke and ramen kind of people. <laughs> I do enjoy that focus on that segment that he took with that because it gets us a little more out of the bubble. It's like, not everybody's in our use case. Let's get real. Well, and not every phone has the ability to root and ROM it. The phone that I've been using for the last two years, when I bought it, it was a fairly new launch. The previous models had root and ROM. So I assumed, uh, we should never assume, I assumed that it was going to get those capabilities and it never did over the course of time. So while it has been a piece of hardware that I really enjoy, I have had some regret in the decision to purchase this one because that option isn't there for this device. Yeah, I love XDA, don't get me wrong. And I love the fact that some manufacturers, <coughs> Sony, make it plausible that you can root and ROM pretty much everything because they have these weird things called unlock bootloaders and you don't have to go through weird things like all the nonsense with a Samsung device that you would have to. To me, that is much, much better than any other OEMs. So when people lock down the phones, I do find that aspect incredibly annoying, especially if you are in the category of, oh, I'm going to root ramen. I view it a lot the way I view my computer. I have purchased the hardware, so I should be able to choose which software that it's running and which software is best for me. With all of the crap that I give Google, that Ryan gives Google, one of the advantage to all of their devices is Bootloader Unlock has been available pretty much from day one on them. And it's a pretty simple process inside the terminal. Wham, bam, it's done. You're ready to go and you can put whatever you want on them. HTC, some of their phones weren't too bad, but they're really not in that game anymore. I love the way Sony has jumped into this where they know that most of their users are not going to be unlocking the bootloader on these devices. And to be honest, I have had Sony phones in the past. I absolutely love the hardware that they present. Though anymore, they've really priced me out of getting one of their phones because holy crap, are they up there? And I'm not saying some of the other phones aren't, but they have very few phone offerings. And the ones that they have are their top of the line, go all out, most expensive hardware package. And so there is really no middle ground for me to be like, yeah, I can see paying that much for a phone. But I do thank them in their ability to put whatever software you want on it. Though in those cases, you do have to have people supporting that. I'm not a developer. I don't work on any of the distributions. I also don't do that for phones. So I rely on somebody else and their super awesomeness to have the passion to creating these different distros for both my computer and my phone. Lineage OS is definitely one of the biggest ones in this arena, and they have quite a very large area in which they officially support. There are some devices that are not officially supported by Lineage, but they still have additional community support, which you can find that on XDA if you have a phone that you want to do that with. I have have played with E a little bit in the past. I did have a device that would use it. I haven't tried it out in a very long time and would be curious to check that one out again. I know when I do my upgrade, as I talked about last week, custom software is important to me. 
So as I'm searching for my phone this time, before I purchase it, I have to know that I can A, unlock the bootloader, and if I want to stay on whatever stock it comes with, I have access to root for that because there's tons of crapware that can come with these devices. And I hate software that I can't remove. It's one of the things that drives me nuts about mobile operating systems in general, which, okay, to be fair, Windows has also done this for years with applications that you may not want Internet Explorer was one of them where they made it so you couldn't actually remove it from your system. And on Android, you can only hide certain things, tuck it away. It's still there eating up space. And now where most phones don't come with expandable storage, that's even more annoying to not have expandable space. If you don't want to root and rom. Vanilla is actually pretty nice. One of the reasons why Ryan went from his Samsung device to a Pixel device is because of that user interface and definitely some of the privacy issues that come with Samsung in general. Make sure you're looking out for more videos coming from him because he really is going to be diving into each of these different phone manufacturers and what the privacy implications are when it comes to each one of their stock OSs. Samsung is a dumpster fire in general, and the Pixel is actually better when it comes to some of these standards and being able to turn them off. Plus, you have the advantage of vanilla Android. I don't know how many of you have gotten to play with vanilla Android before. Actually, Matt, you're using a Motorola phone, and I don't mind the additions that they put on. I think Motorola does a really good job with a few things that they add to it, usually gesture stuff, but vanilla is so nice on a Pixel device. Yeah, so for the Motorola Razr and most of Moto's line, they keep it pretty stock in comparison to they have certain like moto reminder kind of things like, oh, your phone can do this. That can get kind of annoying, but luckily you can shut that off, which is nice. Right. But turn on the flashlight, you just do like the hack motion twice to turn the camera on, rotate your hand twice. That kind of stuff is really, really nice as opposed to a lot of the skin overlays and all the other kind of nonsense that manufacturers like Samsung and stuff have done. In fairness to Samsung, it's not nearly as bad as it used to be. Still bad. Yeah, it's definitely still convoluted. Having gone between a OnePlus device, because I have the OnePlus 7T and I'm on the Razer 5G, there is definitely differences because the OnePlus device is basically color OS. It's its own interpretation from top to bottom, its own thing. On that phone, the first thing I do is I basically get rid of the iOS type interface that color OS ships with and I use a launcher called AIO Launcher. Just generically speaking, it's a better experience, but again, preference, of course, which is probably the nicest thing about Android as a whole. Say what you want about the back end and who makes in, you know, world's biggest advertising company, all the other stuff. As far as I don't like this OEM's implementation, it's garbage kind of deal and being able to get rid of it or at least hide it. I'm okay with that. The fact that some things though, like how certain OEMs will change how notifications are handled, that gets a little annoying. Especially if it doesn't play well with other devices that you have that you're relying on to relay those notifications to you. Yeah, exactly. My biggest thing is when I'm looking at a phone though, I'm not looking strictly at spec. Everyone's like, oh, I need the late, you know, $1,500 like, yeah, I was looking at the Galaxy Fold 3, I think, whatever, the $2,000-ish phone that Samsung had. Really, really cool tech. Like, from a hardware, this is where my inner hardware geek comes in. Really cool from a hardware perspective, but God, like Ryan said, looking at the privacy policy for things like Bixby, which nobody uses at Samsung, 
figure it out. I would actually like to hear from somebody who does use it because I haven't met anybody who does. When every tech YouTuber that has ever done a review that has a Bixby button on the phone and they say, can we reassign it? That says a lot about your product as a piece of software. Just saying. Like I was looking at that and I was like, man, I can't justify an you know, $1,800 price tag. When I was looking at phones, I was like, I want a fold, like a foldable phone. You know, Samsung has a more affordable-ish version with like the $1,000 Z Flip 3 or whatever their name is. I can't physically justify that price. Well, I was browsing the site for my carrier and they're like, oh, here's a Motorola 5G with just enough storage because I'm a local media guy, like I said earlier. That was the biggest thing. And the fact that it's a foldable phone satisfies my inner hardware geek and it does what I need it to. Uh, heck yeah, why not? And it was like $500. So that's mid-range price. To me, that's a justifiable purchase. And it's a more vanilla version of Android without all the OEM stuff of like Samsung or whatever. That is an amazing deal on that phone. I still am blown away that you were able to pick it up for that price. One of the downsides of getting devices through carriers is they usually have some of their additional bloatware related to the carrier itself on that. Was that an issue with this phone? The bloat was not really a big issue. There was the typical ISP carrier, hey, pay your bill app that everybody has, whatever, I can deal with that. The other one was there's a lock, unlock feature that they have as an app that's integrated into the phone. So when you actually get done paying for the device, if you don't buy it outright, I mean, that it unlocks the overall phone. So you can go and use it on whatever network you decide to use it on. Those are really the only two that I noticed. I didn't really notice any weird extra stuff that you would normally find, you know, Facebook and all the other kind of weird nonsensical things that some other carriers will tend to put in on their phones and stuff. So it was actually a pretty clean experience for the most part. Some of that is definitely Motorola. They are one of the better companies with a, typically letting you unlock your bootloader. This one, it may have a bootloader unlock. I don't know. I didn't bother since there were no ROMs to actually put on it. But they're typically good with that. And then they're also typically good with not having too much bloatware. Yeah, there's still some things that you can't remove unless you're rooted. But for the most part, they do a pretty good job of keeping it clean. And that really shows with their mid-range devices where they don't have so much crap on there that even though it's not the quote-unquote top-of-the-line CPU, you still get really great performance of it because it's not battling all of these extra unnecessary UI elements and the like. And I have to agree with you, mid-range devices really have been the sweet spot for me. Don't want to go all the way down to the low, low end. Those usually come with already out-of-the-date software, just really overall not great build quality. In the mid-range, you typically have decent hardware in it, pretty good build quality, and for the most part, lasting really well. When you go all the way to the top of the line, sometimes it feels like it's going a bit overboard. Though I have to say, there are a couple top-of-the-line phones that have really caught my eye. I talked about them quite a bit last week, the Pixel 6 Pro and the OnePlus 9. And I keep kicking myself, like, you don't need to go there. But it's been so long since I've even had a phone like that in hand. The hardware addict in me, gosh dang it, wants it. The rational person in me goes, why? No, I definitely understand what you mean about that. 
your inner hardware geek and your rational person though for me it's always a balancing act because it's like then you have external factors like pricing and all the other stuff that you would normally find on a computer essentially it's a hard balancing act sometimes it really really is if i'm looking at the motorola razor that i have it's like eight gigs of ram it's a snapdragon 765 so it's not the most high-end processor in the world as far as that but it does what i need it to like i don't game on my phone so i don't care some people that's really important so high-end is going to be make more sense but i definitely understand that phones are like what laptop shopping is that has become very compromised on a lot of stuff notice that over this too it's what do i absolutely have to have and what are some things that i'd like to have but if they're not there i'll be okay with in this round of phones for me it is absolutely have to be able to put lineage on it or some other custom software. That is a must. I've missed that. I want that flexibility. I want that freedom. And I want that additional privacy factor. That is absolutely having to happen this time. Some of the things that I'm like, uh, on there for a little bit, I was hardlined on the headphone jack. But as I've seen that there's dongles and different stuff available and the lack of headphone jack on so many devices, it's now one of those things that if I could find it with some of the other stuff that I wanted, awesome, that would be great. But I will typically find a workaround for it. I would really prefer to have expandable storage, but that's another thing that's difficult to find. At least a mid-range phone that's got decent specifications. Like I said, the phone I'm using right now is a mid-range phone. It doesn't have the quote-unquote top-of-the-line CPU in it, and it has been awesome like you. I don't game on my phone. For the most part, I typically don't have my phone in my hands on a regular basis. That's part of the reason why I carry a smartwatch, so my phone can sit somewhere else. I can listen to the book that's on, the podcast that's on, music, whatever, and not have to have my phone on me. Notifications come to my watch. I get whatever information that I need and can go about my day in business. I don't spend a lot of time on my phone, and I know a lot of you think that I would be picky about the camera, but really I'm not. Especially if you listen to episodes of Hardware Addicts or this show in the past where we talk about smartphones and cameras in general, usually the cameras in these are way overhyped. I want to have a camera in it that's decent. I want to be able to take good quality pictures with it when I'm out and about, and that's the only camera I have. Because if it's a choice between capturing the memory and not capturing the memory, I'd rather capture it. In general, it's overhyped. And some of that probably to me is because I've got an SLR camera. I love the images that come out of that. I love being able to swap my lenses, which in a way, especially some of the higher end ones are doing that where they're putting multiple cameras on the back. You can't physically take on and off a lens, but you can switch back and forth between different camera setups. They all have the same disadvantage and that is such an extremely small sensor. They typically make up for it on the back end with software compensation, being able to adjust the image in relation to what they know the deficiencies in the sensors are and work that around 
processing wise. So yeah, they have to be good. But when I'm considering a device, it's definitely not my top concern. Root and ROM is hands down. You got your flavors that you like and you want those flavors to be accessible. It's a novel idea. Exactly. I definitely get where you're coming from with that. I take a lot of video, not a lot of stills. So for me, camera is not quite as important as most people would assume. I mean, let's be real. I'm using a Motorola phone, which are not known to have fantastic cameras, generically speaking, as far as, right. you know, in comparison to the rest of the smartphone market. I had a Sonom XP8, which is a utilitarian phone. So again, not known for their camera. I had a BlackBerry Priv, not known for the camera. See a repetition here going on. Right. The thing I worry about is whether or not it can record 1080 and 60. That's all I care about. 4K and all the other stuff, that's great if we can do it. I'm not concerned. I'm more about smooth frame rate and a decent quality. So 1080, 60 to me is far more important than like 4K and all the other stuff. I've done a few 4K videos on my stuff, but generically, I'm not that worried about the camera overall quality, quote unquote. I'm like you, the headphone jack was a really, really big thing for me for a long time. And it's like, will you people just stop getting rid of it? It's so stupid. I just ended up finally biting the bullet and went with the Bluetooth audio end of things. And for the most part, it is what it is. Like, it's not as good as some of the higher end headphones and that kind of stuff. If you're an audiophile, that just isn't. It's a compromise I can make. The expandable storage, I am still in that camp that I have a massive preference for expandable storage unless I can find a phone that has decent storage, like a default storage. So for me, like the Motorola has 256 gigs of storage default. I'm fine with that. That's more than enough storage for all my music. And if I do some videos and all that stuff at, at 1080 60, it's not going to really eat into that. It's once I go back to a phone like the OnePlus 7T, which from a hardware perspective, fantastic. The fact it's only 128 gigs of storage, that doesn't leave me much room to play with if I put my entire music collection on it. <laughs> so for me, not the best device in regards to like video and camera and all that stuff. That's where expandable storage would have been fantastic, but it wasn't. So I definitely get where you're coming from. I've come to the conclusion that smartphone shopping, again, like laptops and just computers in general, is getting to the point where it's all about compromises and what you're willing to sacrifice and what you're willing not to based on where your price demographic is going to sit. Absolutely. And now it's time to hear from all of you. What are the top things that you need in a device? How do you feel about these different privacy settings that you're having to deal with in picking that device? Does that play a role in which one you go with? Are you like me where Root and Rhyme is an absolute must? Or are you going to go with something that is a little more vanilla and that you can tweak some of those settings on but not have to go through that process? Are there certain hardware things that you absolutely have to have and others that would be nice to see? Make sure you're dropping us some comments. Let's have a chat about it. This episode of DLN Extend is brought to you by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the passive manager we use and trust. It's the easiest, safest way for individuals, teams, businesses, and organizations to store their passwords and other vital sensitive information. Bitwarden lets you choose the authentication to access your password manager, such as PIN, master password, and adding phrases or fingerprint security, all to keep your passwords safe. Go to bitwarden.com DLN to get started for free.
Bitwarden is a password manager that I use and trust because Bitwarden is 100% open source. It has extensive security audits. It gives you the ability to self-host if you so choose. So go to bitwarden.com DLN to get started for free. It's only $10 for a premium account, which gives you one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, Duo, Vault Health Reports, and more. Make the smart move like many from the community have and go to bitwarden.com DLN to get started for free. If you're like me, you'll want to show your appreciation by signing up for the premium edition, especially since the premium edition starts at only $10 annually. Bitwarden has saved me from getting into a serious jam numerous times. Now, you wouldn't be able to pry it from my cold, dead device. Thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of DLN Extend. Time to do a massive switch of gears. The game you have for us this week looks similar to a game that Ryan played with you on GameSphere. You want to tell us about it? This particular game is very much like the one that Ryan and I played on GameSphere for those that want that particular episode. That was the one called Black Future 88 that Ryan and I played. This game is called Fury Unleashed. Now, the thing I loved about this game is it's a 2D side scroller that is constant movement and it's a shooter. Certain terminology I can't use for what it actually is, but it's a lot of jump around, dodge, and that kind of stuff. As far as this particular gameplay style is done on like vertical elements and constant shooting. And it's just a fun, fun game overall. But the thing that I loved about it is the fact that they have not just co-op or online co-op, they have local co-op on a computer game. That to me is amazing to find and so not a feature that happens very often. And this has a very similar art style to like Broforce and those kind of games. Anybody who's played those will know what I mean. If you want to get really technical, you can almost get like a Contra vibe as far as the overall gameplay. That's just kind of the surface of the game. Really fun game though. Definitely recommend it. It is a teen game for a lot of the violence and that kind of stuff, but definitely worth getting. At 20 bucks, if you're big on co-op games or local co-op games, online co-op games, this is definitely one that I think you'd have a lot of fun with. It's definitely one of those games that's not my style because you can die and you can die often. And we all know that I am horrible with games like that. Anybody who has joined any of the Linux Fest knows that I'm absolutely horrible at that. Though I do shout to the sky when I kill Ryan, but everybody gets excited because Ryan's a cheater. There was a reason Ryan came in second and third on his server for Zenotic all the time because he just kept beating <laughs> everybody. He kept kicking us all out. Yeah, exactly. Do note we're joking, we think. Oh, we love Ryan. Very much enjoy playing games with Ryan and hope that he shows up for the event in December. More on that soon. Definitely. Got more coming on for that one. I'm not the only one playing games and stuff. Wendy, looks like you finally got to play some games. I did finally get to sit down and play a game. This is a recommendation that you gave a couple weeks ago, and that is Silence. Nate and I both bought this game while we were recording. Of course, it helped the fact that it was $2. Even with my short time playing it, I still love the art style of this game. It is definitely in my alley where you're exploring the surroundings and trying to figure out how you can use them to reach your goal. Bit of a puzzle game in that light. I am really enjoying the storyline of this game. I'm not very big on stories for the most part. I've only got to play about 15-ish or so minutes. Most of that was getting through a little bit of the backstory. In talking to Matt, I looked up 
the original game that goes with this, because part of me wants to play the first part of this story before diving more into the second part of the story. And the art styles are so different. If it wasn't for the fact that you had told me, Matt, that these games were joined in storyline, I wouldn't have thought that they were together at all. I wouldn't think that Silence was a sequel to this game. Not saying that I dislike the art style of the original game, but it is definitely very different. It is more cartoony. I've seen this game pop up multiple times in some of my You Might Likes. I might have to give it a try. It's also only $2. Might as well. Why not buy another game that I probably won't have time to play for a month? Welcome to my life, Wendy. Then the list gets so big of games, you're like, huh, which one should I play? Then I end up being like you, where I don't buy games or try not to buy games for an entire year. That didn't work. Try not to buy games for an entire year so I can play my backlog. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, definitely didn't work. I got about six and a half months into it and I was like, oh, well. (laughs) Heck, I'm probably already to the point where I could not buy games for a while and just work on my backlog. Though, to be fair, there are some of the games that I've picked up, I've played a little bit of, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's horrible. I'm really glad that I only paid 50 cents a dollar for it because I'm not touching that ever again. And then there's other games that I've bought on sale that I absolutely love. I'm like, gosh dang it, I wish I could kick them a little bit more. So buy a DLC that isn't necessarily anything I'd use, but help kick back to the game that I really, really like. (laughs) I definitely hear you there. See, this says I only have 156 games on Steam. Well, I can help change that. On the community calendar is Matt's charity event, a 24-hour gaming stream, and all of the money raised goes to St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Starting at 9 a.m. Eastern on December 13th, going to 9 a.m. on December 14th, there is a list of games that have already been hashed out. You can check out all of the information on the discourse form, link in the show description. We'd like to continue this discussion with you on Telegram, Discourse, Mumble, or Discord. Visit the DLN website for information on how to connect to the social channels and all of our shows and creators at destinationlinux.network. If you would like to hang out with us on our preferred social media, and I know I've been really, really bad at checking mine, I will hopefully get to it this week. You can see the links in the bottom of the show description or drop us a message on the contact form by visiting dlnextend.com slash contact. Be sure to check out the DLN merch store. Grab yourself some awesome DLN Extend swag. Hey, holiday season is coming up. You can grab some awesome gifts between mugs, bags, t-shirts, tank tops, all from the DLN store. Who doesn't want an Extend shirt for the holidays? As always, we thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another awesome episode of Deal and Extend. Until then, have a great week, everyone. Very true. But speaking of, I can't use that transition. (laughs) Now I'm curious. I was going to say, but you know, that's... (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, uh, certain things I couldn't say. (laughs) 